And I just, I've never been happier. I've never felt more myself. I've never felt more serenity and peace and ease. I've never felt more faithful as a result of having some really uncomfortable things that I went through. And I don't think that people have to go through difficult traumatic events to be happy by any means. But when you have difficult experiences in life, don't be afraid of them. Just know that they're there to guide you deeper. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. My name is Krista Williams, and this is my co-host, Lindsay Simsek. What's up? <laughs> How are you? Never know if you're going to say my name or if I should say my name. I know. Actually, it's like I wait on bated breath. I'm like... <gasps> Should I be ready? How do we do it? Should I be ready for to say my own name? <laughs> Almost 30 started as a conversation, you guys. So <laughs> it started talking about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. And now it's so much more than that. So much more. Uh, we just want to make you feel a little less alone wherever you are. And so you don't have to be almost 30 to listen. We get that uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. People can't And we'd wait. like to debunk it. People can't wait. <laughs> What are you going to do when you turn 30? <laughs> now my thing is, is I say, we're going to end it. <laughs> That's it. We're, we're done. <laughs> Little do they know. Little do they know. I, I think w- I freaked my, the cryo, the guy at my, the cryo studio. I think I freaked him out when I told him I was 30. We were like friends. We, we hung out. And he what did like, he think? You were younger or he older? He was like younger. He thought mm-hmm. I was 26. He's like, oh, I thought we were the same age. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I gave myself away. He's like, must be all the cryo. <laughs> Anti-aging. I was like describing like, it's always funny when you meet someone new and they're really interested about the podcasting mm-hmm. space. And so I was describing it to someone the other day and like how we started. And they were just, they were blown away by like the beginnings of it and how we didn't give up. That's which is a good reminder. Which is a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know. We're just like, I think it's amazing. This is our story. Yeah. And they're like, how did you? I don't, they're like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't go to my closet every week and just like do that. that not knowing, true. not knowing what's going to happen. But anyway. Maybe that's your problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was also living on the street. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, I know you don't know much, but I'm going to tell you about your life based on your response. <laughs> just kidding. But it is true. You know, to and that's the thing is doing something with joy because you're doing it, not because of the outcome. Yeah. Which is rare. I it's very rare. You know. It's so much easier to to uh Stay hop on hop on a track. 
and be like, oh, after two years, I'm going to be promoted to this and this is going to be my life. And then I'm going to make this amount of money when I'm 35 and then I can buy a house and then propose. And then, (laughs) you know, know, that's literally how people think. I was just thinking about that with like a younger generation of millennials. Mm. I think their track is like expedited with the growth of entrepreneur, the entrepreneur wave. And how the democratization of information so that everyone now has access to a lot of information as much as people did previously. So I wonder how that changes their perspective with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I want to say stuff, but I need to... Oh, my brain was just like... I need to be nice. Ow, hold on. What? No. (laughs) Millennials still know how to work. But... Aren't we a millennial? No. Yeah. What are we? They, okay. You're talking about Gen X? Yeah, I guess. Gen Z? But they do. What like, are they? I love them. Oh, I know what you mean. But you know, we were talking about this the other day. I was talking about this again today with someone else. Yeah. I think it's like how, you know, and you know, we can complain about it for a second, but it's also like, how do we then mm-hmm. em- encourage and help them to level up? And I mean, in a sense where... They understand that there is work and kind of time spent that is necessary to invest into something that you want to pursue for the rest of your life. Like they're so impatient Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I've been impatient in my life, but more and more as we do this work, I just realize how, how this is like the rushing of it. You skip over so many really good good things, good yeah. steps that really teach you a lot. So it's... I feel like too, with your first couple jobs, you know, you gotta... I'm not saying that you should accept people that are rude or people that are negative or people that are speaking ill to you, but you kind of eat shit. I completely agree. I did bullshit. You just do bullshit. You learn. You know, you're given more responsibility as it's earned. And it's just so challenging at times to see this inability to operate in this space in a way that is just like, I don't know. Well, I think, you know, the the self-development world has a negative effect sometimes on this like new, you know, younger generations. Cause it's like, but I deserve the respect and I deserve to take care of myself and I deserve to have two hours for a matcha latte in the morning. And you're asking me to come to work. Like I can't do it. My mental, you you know, you know what I mean? Like I just, I think there is, there is a lot of truth to taking care of yourself, but I do think it gets a little bit muddy when it's taken so to the extreme. I agree with you. Yeah, I guess that's probably, uh, you know, this is what I guess I will say is that I bet it's a confusing messaging and narrative for them. If they're seeing so much of the focus on the self-care, the prioritization of self, the prioritization of health and wellness and taking, you know, doing the morning routine. And then they're also seeing the images of people working by the pool on their laptop of, you know, being in whatever industry they are, making money, making a hundred zillion billion figures. Making eight figures. Empowering people. (laughs) (laughs) Making eight billion figures. Hey, hey, everyone, we just want you to hold us accountable. If we ever say, (laughs) we'll guarantee you eight figure income. Mm -hmm. You can 
you can honestly, just unsubscribe. Honestly, <laughs> we're not going to guarantee figures. Yeah, so it's probably a confusing narrative to be within those two spaces, but and and I don't know if that should be more transparency with the difficulty of the process or the unknowing of the process, and that's what I think we're trying to do, and I'm trying to do, but it's just it's not all easy and it's not all, it doesn't always make sense. And it's really important that you, if you are somewhere that you are somewhere and you're putting in the work to be there and you're putting in the work personally to get the most for yourself and energetically for the commitment that you make doing whatever it is that you said you're going to do. You're not helping yourself if you're not, you know, putting the best in for a situation. And those challenging moments that really make you want to give up are literally the moments where you're called to like level up and it'll change your life. That's the whole thing with like, you know, my brother's a part of that generation too, where, you know, there is this avoidance of the hard and the painful. And I get it because of what you said about, you know, the narrative, because like they're told like, well, you just want to be happy. And, you know, I've heard him say that I just want to be happy. And I I take that seriously, but I also don't think a life without challenge is like a happy life. I do think there's a way to approach the challenge that could really help you to see the joy and the potential in every moment. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I completely, I think that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. And that was something I learned when I was in Patagonia for that month or so and, you know, didn't have access to anything and had to have all my food with me in my kayak, whatever. So within the moment, you know, you assume, okay, you're in Patagonia, it's beautiful. You're with these people in nature, all of these things, it's beautiful, but there are a lot of moments that aren't fun. And it's actually, they talk a lot about that within that. And even within the silent retreat, and even within a lot of these different things, it's not fun in the moment and that's okay. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable. It's okay for it to be a little painful. It's okay for you to not be super cozy all the time. And that's where the growth happens. So the happiness comes later. And it's not like the appreciation and the gratitude for for your life now because you experienced pain, but it's the recognition of what that discomfort has shown you. And I think that's where the challenge comes is that because everyone has a voice with with the internet and and online. And, you know, I would be the same, like throughout my discomfort in the corporate world at the beginning, I was so vocal about it. And there was so much that I learned that I wish I would have given recognition to. And I wish that I would have recognized that it's not super comfortable throughout the process of its entirety, but it has moments and it has parts and it has flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely completely agree. I don't know. That's so true with um, that. Yeah. I think that's so true. It's like, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me just think of like the narrative that's going on. It's like where Instagram is a place where it's the highlights. So there people aren't seeing those moments, you know, aren't seeing the hard moments, aren't seeing the in between. So I just think that's why vulnerability and just transparency is so important. If you choose to be more of like a quote unquote public figure, you know, have a voice out there. Like it really is that important, not only for your growth, but for the people around you who look to you, you know, that's, it's a constant reminder for us to just, you know, not sugarcoat how things are going and what's happening 
we're going to celebrate the really good things, but there's also some things that are really hard. And it's not to say, oh, this is hard. It's just to say that like, this is happening in real time. And we're trusting that it's just a a growth spurt, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the number one thing too, is it's like the phone is the number one cozy. I want to get cozy. Take a fucking hour on your phone. Mm -hmm. That'll cozify your brain and your body. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the number one. Get out of an uncomfortable moment conversation. I even notice that sometimes with, you know, Justice, mm-hmm. my man, my boyfriend, Justin, if we're having a conversation that feels a little hot, he'll get on his phone Yep. to kind of divert that energy. Yep. My brother does that too. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the yeah. ultimate crutch and I'm not perfect. You know, I'm definitely not perfect at all, but it's just an interesting thing to think about where you're trying to shift and dilute that. And you're looking for that cozy, you know, if you're on your phone there, say, you know, we are talking today about, you know, the homeless situation in LA and and across the United States and homeless man comes on the subway. You get on your cozy, your phone. phone. That's the number one. You know, that's the number one diversion of human interaction, human feeling, human whatever. And that is the thing, I guess, when I think about the younger generation has more access to that have more of an awareness around that. And it's more like built into their psychology of their uh, of their physical, it's in your physical body at a point. And I, I think about too, like the kids now that are given, and granted, no shame to parents who give their kids screens to kind yeah, of, of like give them a second. I will probably do that too. But it's also just kind of training them that like, okay, this is this is a comfort. This is, you know what I mean? To kind of not be in the moment and learn how to be here. Rather, it's just this thing that helps them to like behave. So it's Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that it's starting earlier and earlier. And I wonder how it's going to be in like 20 years when they are 30 year olds, you know? Yeah, think about that uh, as a last point on this is the rewiring of the brain that would need to happen. If you think about a chemical dependency to something, you know, it involves the altering of the chemicals of your brain and, and the way that we react towards what happens on our phone through through the dopamine and serotonin and all of the things that that happen chemically, it's occurring without the without the drug. It's just the thing that it's almost like, you know, part of when I think about like eating disorders or eating addictions or binge eating and stuff, it's like you have to eat to, to sustain life. And this is almost becoming that where you have to have a phone to sustain life. And so it makes the relationship with that even harder. Absolutely. So, yeah. I I was able to get away for a few days and I'll do it like once a year where I do like a little solo getaway. And normally I stay at, a ho- like I'll, you know, stay at a hotel or something like that with the comforts and everything. So, but I decided to stay and granted it was still comfortable. It was an Airstream on this farm. And, you know, I was like inspired by your, by your silent retreat in the sense that I just wanted to be able to notice that discomfort too. Like, you know, when I got there and it just, it also, you know, when I got there, basically I just turned, I turned my phone on do not disturb and it was so quiet, which was beautiful, but I noticed like my brain was like, okay, so 
right? You're like 10 miles from the beach. So why don't you drive to the beach? And then you're going to go, you know, it was like my brain and I, and I recognized that it was my mind. Like my body was like, no, you're good. Like just be, but my mind was like, okay, so you're going to do this because you know, like you're away. You should like probably do some stuff. So it was interesting to notice that. But instead I just like sat on this beautiful little patio area. This place was like curated by this six-year-old woman who's retired. And she just like, it's like a project of hers that she loves to kind of maintain. And she loves that people come and visit. And it was so quiet. And I'm sure you experienced this in North Carolina, North Carolina, literally hearing birds' wings flap. I was a, it was so wild. I was a puddle. Gets me off. I started bawling. And I think it was deeper than that. I don't know what was exactly (laughs) happening. (laughs) So true. But I was literally like, I literally looked at like the little lizard on the rock and I was like, I I was just like overwhelmed because we don't simplify things that often. So like for it to be silent, simple, to hear every little like, like crunching of a nut of a squirrel. I was like, may I never forget this and may I never like go this long before doing this again and may my children if I'm lucky enough to have children may they experience like I literally wrote down I was like my children will see stars every night like you know what I mean just reminding me because I'm like this is so simple and so good for us as humans like because it's just all so interconnected and like you just realize how much nature knows that you don't it's like very it was very 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 emotional (laughs) But yeah, Ojai is a special place. I do think there's like some, you know, there's wealth there. There's all the things there as there will be in beautiful places that people find out about. And, you know, but there is a simplicity there that I really appreciated. And the like the farmers and the organic farms, like just north of Ojai, it's just like, it's so, so beautiful. And yeah, the not scheduling thing was something that I recommend like people do maybe a couple times a month where they have a day where they have nothing scheduled. doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, but it's just going moment by moment, ideally, and just feeling like, okay, what do I want to do? What do I really want to do? You know, what does like my heart and soul want to do? Is it take a walk? Okay. Is it lay down on the floor? Okay. Is it go outside? Okay. Like it's, it's interesting what your soul actually wants to do and what you're forcing it to do most of the time. So that was really beautiful. And then for me, it's also really hard for during solo vacations to be in social settings and be okay with being alone. So just because there's a, I don't know if it's like a nervous system thing where I just automatically, I'm like, okay, what are they thinking? Yeah. Or I just go for like, I'll want to go to my phone, you know, but I went to this little, yeah, it's like, yeah. sometimes it, I'm just don't want to talk to anyone. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like I, but the the point is like not feeling like you need to do anything, of course. which is, you know, a challenge. But I went to this like little, it's like a half shop, half wine bar. And it was like this outdoor area and it was like off hours, probably at like three. And no one was really there yet, but people started to trickle in. But like, I was there by myself. I like got a glass of wine. I just like laid on this couch. Mm. I was like, oh. Took off your shirt. Ba- like basically, <laughs> like that was the vibe. But I was just... And started I started smoking a cigarette. You're like, it wow, a this cigar. is the real me. <laughs> but it was that moment of just like, just like being very comfortable 
comfortable. And I mean more than just like being comfortable on a couch and being comfortable with myself. It was just like being really comfortable and confident in the moment that like normally maybe a year or two ago would have made me feel really insecure. So I'm like, I'm by myself. Like, what do they think? Am I trying to pick... like? Honestly, if a girl is out and she has like a lick of makeup on and she has a glass of wine in her hand, like sometimes people think she's like trying to like pick up, Mm. especially at a bar, right? So it's just like all those things go through your head, but it was really, it was really nice. And then like a group of people came in, some like couples with kids and then this other couple. And I was like, hey, you guys can like sit down. Like I don't own this area. (laughs) Because I was literally- They like take their kids. They're like, yeah, sure. Literally, I was like belly out. I was literally just like, whatever. And they came over and they just sat and they're like, what are you do- like? What are you doing here? And they, but they were so inquisitive and totally. sweet. And the kids were so funny and sweet. And I was just As like- a couple, they're probably a little jealous. To- yes. They're like, are you alone? But that was the interesting thing that I noticed. Like the one, the one wife was like kind of on one. Wow. Like really like just- She's uh, like, take me Like, yeah. Like really high strung in a way that I felt- compassion for you know what I mean I felt bad she wasn't annoying I was I was just like I feel oh I feel bad you know like there's there was like some imbalance so it was like being alone like that you really pick up on people's energies because I don't know it was just really really an interesting thing I felt like more sensitive than normal in a good way yeah because more intuitive you don't think about it when you're in a group someone walks up you're picking up on a lot of what the group is thinking. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there could be times where you're reacting based on what the group is thinking. Someone walks up, are we scared? Are we welcoming? Are we excited? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you're alone, you're kind of like, what's up? You know, from from me. And and yeah, the thing about not talking to people too and like trying to be more like an active participant in my life and your life. Like, so what if someone talks to me? That's... You know, I, mm-hmm. I think that there is an air of of that. And I've been trying to step into like my 75-year-old self, which means like walking with my hands behind my back, looking at plants, taking pictures of yeah. flowers and saving them on my camera roll mm-hmm. and like actually actively participating and saying hello and saying hi to people that I see and that I pass by. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because... It's just so important and it seems exhausting, but I think that that's a more of a telling of what is going on with me and my boundaries than like the world. And it's just, I think, magnetic. Like if you're able to allow people in, in that way, like it's just, yeah, there's something there. And lastly, I'll say she had animals on her farm and just like being around animals was so nice. Hundred A little, they had a new mule named oh. Jethro and he was like literally like a dog. Oh. He would just follow her around, like just be on her shoulder. It's a huge oh. mule. <laughs> but it was just so sweet. And she's like, yeah, he's like a he's like a dog. He's like a little boy. He just follows me. Oh. <laughs> it was just so sweet. Like I was thinking about her life every day and how like sweet mm-hmm. it is. But yeah. yeah, it was good. Really, really bless. Good. Yeah. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Okay. This is huge. This is big. We have Gabrielle Bernstein on the podcast. She's a badass, dude. Meeting her was so cool and refreshing and inspiring. And I just love the cut of her jib. I think she is so 
everything people people think she is, which is amazing, mm-hmm. which is enlightened, which is spiritual, which is real, which is beautiful, which is kind. I just really love her. It was yeah. it was a joy to to see her in New York and to record in person. And she's like just very she's super in her power, which Yo. is like a duh, but it's it's actually you can feel it yes. in the room, yes. which I appreciated. And she's also like, she was very, very real and transparent about her struggles with postpartum, which, you know, we didn't plan to talk about, but I just love that she is talking about it. Yeah, that was major. I just been having a conversation with one of my friends from home about postpartum depression. So it came at like a perfect time. And I didn't necessarily know the scope or the extent to which women experience postpartum and how little it's discussed and, and made to feel okay around mothers. You know, there's so much happening with having a baby, with your body, with your relationship, with your baby, and just your whole life is completely turned upside down. And, and I have such compassion for that. And I think it was so powerful when she opened up talking about that. Completely. Uh, she has a new book out now. It's called Super Attractor, Methods for Manifesting a Life Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. So this is basically essential methods for manifesting a life that you love and that you're really proud of and that you enjoy. So I read it. It was so, so good. good. It's so good. Yeah, it was so good. Her books are just so like conversational and easy to read and apply. So I really love her writing style. I've read almost all of her books and I really love this one. And I know and I know you guys will too. So you can learn more at gabbybernstein.com and definitely join our secret Facebook group to have just a larger conversation about the topics we discuss in this interview and follow us on Instagram as well. You know, we we always love hearing from you. And if you'd like to share this episode, it's always great to share on social media so that more people can know about it. But we love you guys. Thank you to Gabby for making the time. She's a busy mom, Mm-hmm. So that's like a new thing for her. That's was, you know, I know a lot of you out there can relate to. So yeah. And if you want to be a part of our events, come join us on tour, almost30podcast.com slash tour. We have New York coming up. We're so excited for our New York leg. We have shows on human design, on the alchemy of voice with Nikki Glazer, the comedian. We're also doing Philly and DC. So we're excited for those stops. And then a few more happening through the year. So our tour stops are so engaging, fun. You get amazing swag bags. You get to connect with the beautiful women of the Almost 30 Nation community and they are the best. The best. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. We're just so excited to have you here. Our community are huge fans when we told them mm-hmm. that Gabby was coming on. They've they asked like, for it forever. So. Forever. Yeah. Forever. forever. And so, but it always aligns at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think with your book coming out and just like things that, the, that have been going on in your life, I just, I'm grateful that we're talking to you now. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest changes recently is you're a mom. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I would love to start there. I'm not a mom, so I don't know, but mm-hmm. I can imagine that it's just one of those beautiful but intense transitions that, um, come with a lot of feelings and situations that, you know, are real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's real. Mm-hmm. Being a mom is real. It's probably the greatest spiritual assignment of your life. 
The day that I came home with my baby, I texted Dr. Shafali. She wrote The Conscious Parent. I love her. And uh, I was like, I came home with the baby. And she's a friend of mine. She said, meet your new guru. <laughs> he is your new guru. And I said, oh my God. And she's so right. Having a child has been the, the deepest transformational work I've ever done in my entire life. And, you know, I thought that I, I, you can't know what's going to happen and you can't anticipate any of it. But if you show up with it, with the intention to grow, then you'll be okay. Mm. But, uh, but I, do, like, I, I do really want to mention this to your crowd because you have future moms, ladies that are going to, that are, might be new moms. And I'm going to speak openly wherever I go about some of the things I went through. And I was diagnosed at four and a half months postpartum with postpartum anxiety and which really is a a version of postpartum depression. And so I want to speak about it. I'm still in my beginning stages of recovery. So it's very, very sensitive for me to talk about it. So I don't want to, from a law of attraction standpoint, I don't want to bring a lot of energy to it, but I want to call it out right now for anyone listening, which is there's a difference between being a new mom who's worried and having postpartum anxiety and depression. So really just be very, very real with yourself about what your symptoms are. And if you are overly obsessing or if you're suffering from insomnia or panic attacks, contact a psychiatrist, contact Postpartum International, just get on a hotline, get help immediately because it, it, it's, it's a biochemical issue that many women suffer from and some women don't survive. Mm. So I... Sorry to begin the podcast no, with that, it. but I got to be a little yeah. PSA for this oh, yeah. for the rest of my life. And I will write about it. And I just want all the mamas out there to take care of themselves and not be afraid to talk about it because there's so much shame and stigma around mental health. And so the, literally like the week that I was diagnosed was mental maternity mental health awareness. <laughs> Hello, universe. Wow. So yeah, I just got, got on my Instagram and started talking about it because I felt so ashamed of it. So I knew I had to talk about it. Mm, yeah. I was actually just checked texting with my best, one of my best friends. She just had a baby and she's really going through it. Really, really bad. She's mm-hmm. probably slept two hours in the past couple of weeks mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's seeing a psychiatrist now and, and she's just really going through it. And it's just so heartbreaking and so confusing and I'm mm-hmm. sure so isolating. So within that situation, I think about her and I think about all the moms like do you feel like in this, you know, I don't know how, if this is too personal, but did you feel like you had people to turn to? Well, I absolutely did. And most women don't. Yeah. And so, you know, here I was with like Marianne Williamson on speed dial and like yeah. access to the best uh, fertility psychiatrist, Alexandra Sachs, who's written a book that everyone should go get. It's called What They Don't Tell You, I believe is the title. And it's all about, you know, like what they don't tell you mm-hmm. when you're going to be a mom. And so, I mean, I had... Uh, you know, literally the A team, right? And I suffered, 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 even with the highest resources on the planet and every single spiritual teacher ready to help me and mediums doing readings yeah. and the best psychiatrist. And so all I think about is all the moms out there that are single moms, they don't have insurance, they can't get help. And so a new mission that God has put me on this planet for is to support these mothers because, uh, and and I'm I'm only at the beginning stages of, of how I can help. And my publicist is sitting next to me. So I'm looking at you saying, we got to do something about this mm-hmm. and get this out there because uh, I have I have a new mission, which is to be of service to these, these women that don't have anything and don't have the resources. And if that means, you know, giving my money, but most importantly, giving my voice. And yeah, so wow. ladies, 
don't hesitate to email support at gabbybernstein.com if you're having help. And I will personally write back to you. What was your spiritual, like, how did you navigate your spiritual practice during that time? You know, I, it was really hard oh, because yeah. you, it's hard to contact your higher power when you're in a crisis, mm. but that's when you need it most. Mm-hmm. So I felt very out of alignment because I was in such extreme anxiety, but I knew that God was with me the whole time because through my prayer, that's how I was able to become willing to accept that I was having a problem. And through my prayer, I was guided to the psychiatrist that was able to get me on the right path. And through my prayer, I was gifted with the direction and the guidance that I needed. So even though I couldn't hear a direct download at that moment, I was constantly in full guidance and protection. And so I think that that's that's a huge theme in all of my books. And particularly my newest book is this theme of, of you're always being guided. And if you don't recognize that guidance is because of your own resistance. Hmm. How did you navigate like relationships with the people closest to you during that time? My poor husband was super traumatized. And so we got to give the the husbands a lot of love and compassion for what the moms go through. Because they don't know. I mean, if someone hasn't dealt with anxiety, they don't understand what a panic attack is. They can't can't understand. And so it's terrifying for him. I am very blessed with the most incredible friends in the world. I so in addition to all these amazing resources that I was was able to access, mm. my friends were just like, you know, I gave a, I was doing a retreat one weekend and my two best friends came, literally they came to babysit me that weekend to like make sure I was going to be okay in the middle of the night. And I was having insomnia and my best friend Jamie did Reiki on me and held my feet and put gong music on and sat over me until I fell asleep. And I mean, I could cry just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So just the, the, the pe- people have a lot of kindness in them. And when we open up to receive that, it's just one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. I think that's why it's the community piece is so important as mm-hmm. you like bring more awareness to this and you know, the education is also for the mothers, but also the people that love them most and are around them to be able to support them in the best way. And really anyone that's suffering with mental health right now, because I want to just make sure we talk about this because a lot of people might spiritually bypass a chemical condition. So your spiritual practice has to always Mm -hmm. happen in, Mm -hmm. I'll just repeat that. Your spiritual practice always has to happen with in tandem with whatever else you're doing, whether it be talk therapy or psychiatric therapy. But you want to make sure that you're not ignoring something that requires some additional guidance. Mm. And truly, if you are deeply on a spiritual path and truly listening, then you won't be ignoring what you need. But Mm. some people get, I think in in certain arenas, can get really uh, hung up on not allowing in additional resources. Yeah. Yeah. How did you prepare yourself to receive the support like from your best friend? You know, when you were there, it's like, did all the spiritual work that led you up to this yes. place? Like, 39 you, years. Allow you to like yeah. receive that support? Literally, that was, it was, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I mean, I think that, I know, I'm thinking about myself. I'm like, I don't know. You know, this one psychic gave me a reading around a few, a few weeks ago, a month ago. Like when I hit bottom, I was the next day 
speaking at a Hay House event. And so I was surrounded by all of my contemporaries and friends who are all authors and speakers in, in, in the spiritual space. And uh, Sonia Cochette, who is a beautiful medium, she said to me, she looked at me and she goes, you don't feel safe. And then she just started reading me like right there at the table and said to me that this whole thing that was happening to me was this cracking open so that in this lifetime, I could learn how to truly receive. So this message is really a message of in your darkest moments, you are being guided to an up-leveling of your spiritual faith and, con- and condition. So don't be afraid of the aftermath of something of a crisis because the aftermath is where the light comes in. There's this quote that I always recognize, which is a Rumi quote, which is the wound is the place where the light enters you. So the message in this is that you don't have to fear your bottom. Mm. Welcome it. And as you were preparing just, you know, pre-pregnancy and when you got pregnant, like just kind of coordinating things around your career because you are just so, at least in what we perceive as go, 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 books, speaking, retreats, like anxiety around that. Because I like we think about that sometimes just in different stages of our life coming up. How will we navigate mm. that? I had to unwind the go, go, go in order to conceive. So again, it was, sometimes I have to learn things by throwing my head against the wall. <laughs> but, uh, it, I was trying to conceive for three years. And then in uh, the fall of eight seventeen, I was launching my book, Judgment Detox. And I was also really struggling with a gut condition called SIBO, which mm-hmm. mainly happens yeah. from stress. And so the stress that I was had put myself under for so many years caused major gut inflammation and, and, and SIBO. And I've written a whole blog about it. So if someone's having a gut issue, just mm-hmm. Google Gabby Bernstein gut and you will land on that blog. Yeah. I'll put also, it in the show notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. put it in the show notes because that blog has helped so many people. I get emails every single day from people saying, oh my God, you just redirected my life with this blog. So I think God just like gives me these little suffering moments so that I can come out. I really do. I know it. I know that it's for the greater like, good. I got, yeah. it. I got it. I get it. I get it. And I have to show up for them and I come out the other side. But I'm now ready. I'm claiming it here on your podcast. I am ready for an easier ride. Yes, truly. <laughs> I'm ready, got it. I'm ready to, to cruise control now. <laughs> so, uh, so I was head SIBO and that was the biggest blessing for me actually because it, when you recover from SIBO and you take, you have to take antibiotics, but then you have to go. I put myself on this really serious keto diet where I cooked for myself for six months. Every single thing I ate was cooked and from my own kitchen. Every bite of wow. food. Good I never, I didn't, you. when I would go out to restaurants, I'd bring my own food. If I went to a wedding, I'd bring my own food. It was, it <laughs> was that. really, yes. really funny. Uh, <laughs> but I healed myself because I really, really showed up, but it, but the food wouldn't have been enough. I had to completely eradicate stress from my life. So at that stage, I decided that stress was no longer an option. And I reprogrammed my stress response. I straight up got to a place in my life where I was no longer tolerant of stress. And I started to just maybe work two hours a day, rely on my team more than I ever had before, rely on my husband more than I ever had before, uh, take an hour sauna every single day, yoga. And I, look, I worked for, at the time, for 13 years to get, 14 years to get to the place where I could allow, where I could afford to walk away and and 
and let people support me. And that didn't mean that I didn't show up for a book tour and it didn't mean that I didn't write write another book that year but <laughs> and, and get pregnant. But it was what allowed me to get to conceive because it was not only healing my gut, which I believe also does affect your vaginal flora and just everything. Your mm-hmm. gut is the, is the epicenter of everything. But I also, by really reducing my stress, the point that I did, I was able to conceive. So that was in February of, well, it was really like from November to February where I really started to resurrect my, <laughs> my, myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and then getting pregnant allowed me to just stay committed to that practice of just working for a few hours a day, maybe less, sometimes more, depending on the day. If I had a lot going on, I might be, if I was launching something or was heavily in the middle of a book launch, I might, I might be working a little bit more, but mainly just really committed to working very little but I also work like the, what I could do in two hours, and I'm going to brag about this. Someone could do and would do in like three days. So I, I like I just get I get shit done. Okay, so I could I could I could work in two days because mm-hmm. I would get so much done in that short period of time, and because I had a team that I built that would really help me. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your the long ass answer to your question is I don't don't feel like I'm that hustle person anymore. It's a strange shift because mm-hmm. I spent probably 37, eight years of my life hustling and then the last year and a half not. Right. Having a child helps too because it's so much responsibility. So you don't have to, you, 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 I don't know. I don't care about things as much yeah, as I used re- to. Reprioritizes everything. Oh my god! You know I what I mean? Don't care. Yeah. You're like, just, this relationship now. This and especially now. like even going through the postpartum anxiety. Like I'm like, I'm like, you know, if like things don't go as well in some area, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> matters. Ooh, I just went through totally. such a crisis that mm. I just feel like being able to survive dark, dark times mm. just puts everything in perspective. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, in Super Attractor, your new book, it feels like that's like the, that was like the common thread for me. And that's kind of what I got. The messaging that I got was related to doing less, letting in more joy, letting things really flow, you know, by not forcing or pushing, you are allowing more of the universe to support you. It felt like a very feminine, it felt very feminine. It's funny because I actually started writing that book right when I fell pregnant. So I had just been through this other dark night. Mm. I had just come out the other side. And in the beginning of the first chapter of the book, I'm literally like, I'm so happy to be writing this book. <laughs> I know. Because I'm out <laughs> the other side. I'm so excited to focus on feeling good. Yeah. So, and I really rode that wave. I've been riding that wave all the way up until the things that happen. And then, you know, I practiced the super attractor principles all throughout the period of postpartum because I had them ingrained in me. So even in the midst of crisis, I could return to my faith. So uh, I wrote that book at the, at the healthiest, happiest, most joyful, easygoing time of my life. And that's what came through. Mm. When did you, when did, I guess a moment or the first moment you really felt like, wow, like I can attract anything I want. So I think I began to know I was a super attractor early in my career when it was almost like I'd think it and it would be. 
maybe not be at the moment that I wanted mm-hmm. it or the year I wanted it, but I had a lot of faith in the mission that I was on and my career path. So I started to see things happen. I had, I write about, I'm not going to give them all away, but I talk a lot about a lot of different synchronicities throughout the book and, mm-hmm. and experiences, particularly earlier on in my career. But the thing is, is that we can know that we're a super attractor and it can really flow in certain areas of our life. But we can be really resistant in others. So that's why I can speak to this from a lot of authenticity because I resist it often when it comes to physical well-being. And, and there's other areas where there may be still still unresolved trauma or, or fear that is still present. And I know that I can block that power. So that's why I can write a book like this because I'm not just walking around like perfectly super attracting everything. Right. But I know that it's true because there's areas of my life that flow so naturally and effortlessly. And so the thing about this book is that we all have different areas that may flow more than others. But the hope and the intention for this book is to get you into the flow everywhere. Yeah. And when people are disconnected from that super attractor power, what is it that keeps them from being a super attractor in your experience? Control, fear, resistance to feeling good. Because often we choose to feel bad because it's a form of safe, of false safety, mm-hmm. false protection. Judgment is another one that we really block it. I talk about this in the, in the introduction of the book, but manic manifesting, trying to make something happen, not allow it. So a lot of people out there are like, I'm doing vision boards and I'm looking and I'm talking and I'm affirming and I'm doing everything. And that energy is really frantic and, and, and it's needy and the universe doesn't respond to it. So it's being in an energy of allowing that is the, it's faith, it's a sense of knowing, it's joy and allowing that really keep you connected and in alignment. Yeah. And the whole book is just practices of getting back into alignment, get back into alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your experience, like the the joy thing is so interesting because we could all say like, I want joy. I want to let joy in. I want to be joyful. But like, I think of myself and I'm like, there are situations where I choose the opposite, even though I want the joy. So I know that's a block, but in your experience, like what is that energetically? Hmm. Well, we choose the opposite because our belief hasn't caught up with our desire. So for whatever reason, we believe that hmm. we have to struggle to have success, or we believe that our body isn't well, or we believe that we can't find love or whatever the belief systems are that keep us inconsistent resistance of the good in our life. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to work it out from a belief system standpoint first. And so some of that is mental reconditioning and some of that is surrendering to a higher power to ask for these beliefs to be transformed because sometimes it's not, it's not, we'd, we can't on our own resurrect our mind. We have to surrender our thoughts. And that's where a spiritual practice comes in, which is really offering up these thoughts of resistance to a higher power of our own understanding to reorganize them for us. Mm. Yeah, that's been really nice for me. And it was nice to to read that in Super Attractor was to like put that on my guides and my angels. You know, I've never, I've had a relationship with my guides and my angels for the past, you know, from my understanding of what as an adult, you know, probably as a child as well. But in the past five years, it's been just deepened, but it's been so nice in this past year to realize that I can ask for their support and Mm -hmm. that I can 
you know, put things on them and they want to support in that way. You know, mm-hmm. I would have conversations and, and get validations, but it was never, it was never until this year that I could be like, okay, can you help me do this? Yeah. Can you do this for me? Or can you show me the way? Or mm-hmm. can, can you whatever? And it's been one of the, the nicest things, you know, to feel that and to feel that energetic shift and lift. It's just so beautiful. And I loved that you talked about that in your book. Yeah, it's the first time that I am pushing that metaphysical envelope a little bit more to talk about what it means to have a guidance beyond your physical sight. So having a, a angel guide or having a family, a deceased family member or uh, a guide of any form that is supporting you. And we all have a team of guides that are around us supporting us. It's not something that we talk about on podcasts typically, unless it's something like, yeah, exactly. Here we might (laughs) every week. (laughs) And I'm going to be more because it's in the book. And that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Like I just did an interview yesterday and someone was like, well, you were kind of, you know, at the forefront of this new movement of seekers 14 years ago. Did you ever, like, what do you think about where it is now where people, and I was just like, there's nothing cooler than the fact that it's being spiritual so trendy and that it's, that, and that, that's what it's allowed me to write about angels and guides in a book because I don't have to, when I was first starting out, I didn't even say God, I said ing, inner guide or spirit junkie. I just was always constantly expanding the language around it. But the, but it, it's, it's free now. I'm totally free to just say how I, say how I feel and say what I believe. Did you already have that understanding and you were just kind of holding back? Yeah, oh, totally. Wow, okay. It was just like, it's just sort of expanding the spiritual lexicon. I feel you. Yeah. yeah. I feel that a lot, you know, with us and what we do, it's like, not like we're we're here and our audience is here, but it's, you know, there are things that I understand or that I've, that I've learned or that I try to learn in the metaphysical realm that it's like, you have to do like crumbs, you know, and kind of like expanding people until they're ready for like the full blown, like really... Yeah. Wild and wacky. Yeah, we'll wait on the aliens. Yeah. Okay. We've already, we've already gone there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when it comes to spirit guides too, like for me to think about other people's spirit guides helping them also like chills me out mm. in a sense in like the comparison game. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to articulate that well, but I just think of them taking care of that person. And then if I'm comparing myself to that person, it's just, it doesn't make sense because they have a completely different like guiding system and... Yeah, There's room for everyone. That's a nice way to look at it. What is what has been your experience with comparison in the spiritual world, in this wellness world? I know it's can be dense. I'm happy to say that that's not really my hang up. I don't really care what other people are doing. Love that. <laughs> Love that. I I care from the standpoint of I'm proud of people. I care from the standpoint of when I recognize someone doing something that's not safe. Mm-hmm. I would probably like call them out just gently and kindly just to be on the safe side. But I haven't really been hung up about other people's cool. stuff. Uh, that's why I feel really good about... How, that's why I wrote a book called Judgment Detox. I felt really good about being able to teach people to to heal their comparison and judgment. It doesn't mean I don't judge. It just means that, that comparing myself to other people hasn't been a thing for me. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely judge. Yeah. yeah. That's why I had to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know your human design? I don't know. Yeah. No. I was just thinking about that because I'm a projector too and I'm kind of the same. It's like, I, I don't really compare. I'm more of like a judger, judging myself and yeah, not really judging to others because it's almost like scary for me. I'm like, dude, I could go down a rabbit hole with that whole thing. Yeah. In the book too, and this is something that I'm really working on. So it's really beautiful to read in your book about you know the importance of joy and the importance of leaning into that and leaning into the allowing. In your experience and in your life, like what have there been 
times where you've really resisted that, where you've really resisted any sort of joy or play or or slowing down in your life? Probably for the first 10 years of my career. I was, was it a fear that, you know, well, what was so, it? Okay. So in 2016, I, oh God, I sound like such a head case. I've had a lot of big <laughs> moments for the last totally. five years, <laughs> but I do see all of them as major guidance. So for the first 10 years of my career, 11 years-ish, I, I was in that hustle mode. I didn't believe, I thought if I didn't do it, no one else would. I write about this in the book. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that uh, I, I, I trusted in my abundance. And I trusted in the universe. I knew the doors were opening for me, but when it came to getting things done, I didn't believe anybody was going to help me. In 2016, I, in, my ther- in a therapy session, I remembered a dissociated traumatic event from my childhood. That was a major aha moment for me because it explained why I was so afraid of allowing people to support me because the belief system was no one's there to help me. I have to save myself. I Everything made sense after that. I was like, oh, okay. That's why you've been so controlling. That's why you were a drug addict. That's why wow. you. That's mm-hmm. why you've been running. And really, that's why you wound up on such a steep spiritual path because you were looking for for guidance that you couldn't find in the human form. So that changed me on a deep, deep level. It also really gave me my life back because once I started to do that healing work and deep spiritual work, EMDR, emotional freedom technique, just got went big for the last, what has it been now? Uh, what year is it? Yeah, it's 2019. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for several years I've been mm. deeply, deeply healing. I think it also was another like underlying trigger behind the postpartum anxiety. You know, it's just sort of like recognizing, oh, I had an anxiety disorder that I wasn't aware of. I had, you know, uh, even though I was in sober recovery for so many years, I still had the underlying roots of addiction and addiction to control or work mm-hmm. addiction. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways that I was out of alignment. But the thing is, it's, it's powerful is that when you have those moments of, of hitting that bottom, that that you become new. So, so there's so much grace in coming out. And I just, I've never been happier. I've never felt more myself. I've never felt more serenity and peace and ease. I've never felt more faithful as a result of having some really uncomfortable things that I went through. Mm. And I don't think that people have to go through difficult traumatic events to be happy by any means. But when you have difficult experiences in life, don't be afraid of them. Just know that they're there to guide you deeper. Yeah. You mentioned alignment and we talk about it a lot, but I think sometimes people can lose sight of actually what that feels like. Is there something that you do or a few things that you do like in the beginning of the day just to kind of like get yourself aligned and on track? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I pray Every night before I go to sleep, I also read spiritual texts. I have major sleep hygiene now, which I really think is important mm-hmm. for everyone to know. Sleep hygiene. Turn off your devices at least an hour before bed. I mean, my phone's off at like 8 o'clock. I'm going to bed at 9.30 or 10. Uh, don't don't get into heavy conversation. Don't don't watch television or anything. Just turn it all off. Have some kind of wind down routine like bath meditation. I meditate at night in my office in a separate room. Don't meditate. Like they, they say that the bed is only for sex and sleep. 
So mm. go meditate upstairs, go read upstairs, or you know, wherever you, if you have another, if you live in a studio apartment, like maybe sit on the sofa or something or on the floor, I don't know. But mm-hmm. just, just give yourself that space to wind down. And then, you know, I do read for a few minutes in bed to want to fall off. That's not a completely sleep hygiene thing, but it is just, it is just something that I don't like to lie in bed, just like falling asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the problems I was having. So read a little fall asleep, but I, pr- but that prayer and that meditation at night, just like begins my next day, yeah. it sets me up to win for the next day. And then when I wake up in the morning, these days I wake up, I don't even use an alarm because my alarm is named Oliver and <laughs> he will wake me up at 6.30 or 7 a.m. And I will, uh, typically my husband gives him a bottle in the morning, so I'll get him the bottle and then I'll go back and I'll meditate. And so that's another way to begin my day. And then I have many, many, many self-care practices throughout the day. So I do an hour of exercise a day. I minimum sometimes too these days. I mean, I am like, exercise was one of the big things that really supported me through the anxiety that I was dealing with. So if someone is anxious, just run, walk, get your body moving. It is just such relief. And then I have specific meditation practices that I do throughout the day as well. Mm-hmm. And so far, you know, being a mom, how is it, what has your son taught you as your teacher? He has taught me unwavering faith, Mm. Mm -hmm. which I wrote about. It's actually the last chapter in Super Attractor is unwavering faith in the universe. So he's definitely taught that to me. Like today, right? He's going to have to transition out of the magic Merlin into the sleep sack. I have to just have faith. And that's going to be the, that's going to be the rest of my life. Like if I send him off to sleepaway camp, I'm going to have faith that he's going to be okay. I, it's the greatest practice in, in, in turning things over and turning, turning uh, something over to a higher power because there's things I can do to support him, but I can't control him. Mm -hmm. He's his own man. Mm-hmm. Little you, baby man. <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> do you have any like unlearnings to do? I think our parents are just different generations and dealing with their own kind of unlearnings from their parents. So do you have anything that we were like, okay, I'm going to do this different. And not in a bad way, but just like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this different. Most, Most things. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will teach my son that my mom taught me is that he can do anything. My mom taught me that I could do anything. I mean, I think that's like some of my greatest successes in life have come because of that. Yes, I can mentality that my mom taught me, which uh, was very limitless and being seen, you know, seeing my mom work her ass off and Mm. seeing my mom just, you know, start a jewelry business and start a CBD business. And so like, Mm -hmm. I had to tell her, I'm like, mom, it's not quite legal yet. Like (laughs) you can't sell CBD on the internet without like- I'll be the first. I'm like, (laughs) I was literally like, you can't start a CBD. I could see her whole world shattered when I started telling her she was going to go to go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But you know, she's a real entrepreneur. So, um, but that, but that I will teach him for sure. He can do anything. My husband and I joke, I'm like, you're going to teach him how to read and spell and do math and I'm going to teach him confidence. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But don't ask me to teach him math. (laughs) I got it. How did you apply the lessons from Super Attractor when you were going through like your darkest moments? Hmm. You know, when you think about how, not like your vibration is lower, but when you are in such a dark place where it feels like you're, it's hard to think anything's positive. It's hard to think 
at a high vibe level. In the last two, last, so it's been like, it's, I've been a few weeks since I've been in like, maybe really a week that I've been in like consistent recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just new, it's fresh. Yeah. But uh, the through the period where I was really, really suffering, the only thing that I could do was just keep praying because I couldn't get centered through meditation because my anxiety was yeah. so extreme. I couldn't, and yes, my breath did help me in moments. And yes, there was moments of recognition and healing and and hearing God, but not a lot because I was just so taken out. And I had you know, a chemical issue happening, a hormonal issue happening, like something that was far beyond my control. So all I could do was release control, release control to the best of my ability. And that all I could do was pray. And so I prayed, I prayed all day long. I prayed through journaling. I prayed through talking. I prayed out loud. I prayed walking. I prayed, you know, it was Mm. just like, I prayed through talking to friends. I just was in constant prayer for guidance and support and just really, really, that's all I could do. Mm -hmm. But but the universe responded. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Happy you're back. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The... I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the channeling that you mentioned in the mm. book and channeling Dr. So Wayne cool. Dyer and and others. And so I'm just like, I'm curious about the first time that you channeled. And also, you know, we're all intuitive and a lot of girls in our community will reach out to us kind of secretly, you know, they, they think like, you know, I think I can channel and I've had these messages, mm. but I'm not sure whether to trust it. So one, when was the first time that you really felt like, wow, okay. I'm channeling, and then also, how do you, how do you trust that? Mm-hmm. How do you trust that message. Well, I think I wrote about this in my book, Spirit Junkie. The first time I really felt spirit guiding me was actually when I was 16 years old, and it was the first time I experienced anxiety and depression. I and I I didn't know how to get out of it, so my mom taught me how to meditate. I started using a mantra. Soham was the mantra. I remember going to this, going with my boyfriend out to the Hamptons to a house that he had a friend staying at. And I was super anxious when we pulled up to the house. And I said, listen, let me go meditate because this is the only thing that's been helping me. They stepped away and I went to this little room in a house I'd never been in. And I started meditating. And all of a sudden, my extremities started to tingle. And I just felt this warmth come over me. And I felt this just blanket of relaxation and peace settle in. And I knew that was a presence beyond me. There was no denying it. I was, my whole body was just taken over with relaxation and peace. So that was the moment that I learned that I wasn't alone, though I may have turned my back on that for a while, but I knew that that was there. Then there have been many other times throughout my life, early on in my, in my young adult life where I just kept getting hit over the head with spiritual guidance, whether it be hearing voices or being guided to pick something up and my hand getting hot on the book, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh-oh, got to read this, right? Or a door opening or a phone call happening or something like that. So, and then, and then the ultimate, when you start to accept that you are a super attractor, that guidance is just constantly present for you. You don't have to, you don't have to feel like you need to control everything. But that's something I have to remind myself of every single day. That's mm-hmm. why I write these books so that I can remind myself. Right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm literal. I'm not joking. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> they're a full-on selfish act. <laughs> Thankfully, they help other people. <laughs> Your writing is super... It's so... It's so clear. It's crazy. 
Mm. It's so Mm. freaking clear. You know, that's the result of having no literary background, having very limited vocabulary. (laughs) That's not true. And, you know, but it is because, because I didn't, have I, I? I didn't. I didn't succeed in 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 high school or even elementary school. Like I just was. Yep. I was not academic, and I didn't know how to string a sentence together. When I wrote my first book, I had to get a writing coach to teach me. And really, what she taught me was, she said, "You're a speaker, so write as you speak." So that's the best advice I could give anyone if they're wanting to write, particularly personal growth books. I think that that has been greatly beneficial because. Mm-hmm. I don't speak over the head of the reader. I speak directly to their heart. I speak how, I write how I speak. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just so nice because it's like something that we understand and anyone picking it up could understand. It's like, there's no way that they would be misguided or misdirected with the information, like at every level Hmm. of spirituality. It's really Mm -hmm. beautiful. Something in there that I really loved and actually it it gives me pause was the, when you talk about the quote by Abraham Abraham Hicks, um, distraction is the quickest way to alignment. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, so being out of alignment means that our thoughts have gained momentum. And this is all Abraham messaging that, that we've gotten hooked into a thought that's out of alignment with love and source and God and the feelings of feeling good. So once you get hooked into that low vibration thought, it creates more momentum and it just creates more momentum and it creates more momentum and that starts to change your energy and then you start to attract what you don't want. So one of the quickest ways out of the momentum of what you don't want is to think about anything else. So distract yourself, go for a walk, watch a show, take a nap, Mm. call a friend, be of service to somebody else, do anything Mm -hmm. else that will not get in the way. Yeah. It's interesting. Will really get you out of the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's like when I read that, my initial thought is like my distraction keeps me from my alignment in ways. Like for my life, it's like there are chances and opportunities when I could really absorb some sort of learning or information, and and sometimes it feels like it's too much. So I'll find a way to distract with like TV or Instagram or whatever. So it's like an interesting thing to see it explained in that way. And you explained it really beautifully how it kind of with the emotional scale as well, working mm-hmm. your way up the emotional scale. It's more of like an energetic shift to something else. And then once you're able to be in that different energy space, you can look back on the previous energy space with much more clarity because you've been shifted. Yeah. So I thought that was really beautiful and interesting. And I love when a situation like that arises where you read something and you're like, hmm, I don't know how that applies to me. But then when it's explained, it's just really beautiful. Nice. You're welcome. You talk about freedom as being just like the ultimate gift, mm-hmm. um, just to summarize. But I'm just curious, like when when was the last time recently that you just felt like that ultimate freedom? And what does that feel like for our audience to kind of know what it feels like in your body, what it feels like in your heart and in your mind? So yesterday I was sitting on the floor with my son and playing, we like to play a lot of music. So I was playing Elton John and Tiny Dancer came on Mm -hmm. and I just started singing to him and just, just lost it. Mm. And it was such a moment of freedom, such a moment of recognition of what, what love really is. Just felt so just Mm. hit by lightning with love and God and nothing else mattered. I could just see in his eyes how much he loves me. And I could just feel so deeply that that 
this is what it's all about. Mm. Beautiful. Is it weird sometimes when you think, you know, as a mother, I always wonder that, like, if I'm going to look back and be like, the rest, like everything else was details. And then you go have a kid and you're like, oh, this is, this is that, this is that shit. Like, this is that, that thing that everyone was talking about. Like, do you think you experienced mom- those moments of bliss at that power or capacity before your son? Or do you think it's like the epitome of that feeling of love and that feeling of that lightning bolt moment? I've had those feelings being on stage. Mm-hmm. So I channel most when I'm speaking. That's the way that God speaks through me. So I felt those feelings deeply before. Not for another human being like this, mm-hmm. but... And I've, of course, you know, you fall in love and you feel that kind of feeling. And I felt that for my husband. And But it wasn't an unfamiliar feeling. No, just coming from for a different reason. It's beautiful. And it's like seeing it through his eyes too. Yeah. Just so... So simple. Oh, pure. You know, simple. Just with their mom, like in their underwear. Just like singing. <laughs> in their diaper. In, the di- in their diaper. <laughs> like that is like true life. Yeah, like, beautiful. Yes, yes. Is there anything that you have not done yet that you want to do and can talk about? I haven't been on Ellen. Oh, I will do that. No, you will do that. That's like you will do the that. only. That, I'm looking up Sarah. My publicist. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> <yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> uh, no, that's that's like I'm just sitting here like no, there's nothing. But I'd like to be on Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's hey, another thing I'll teach you all that. is be unapologetic about what you want. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I'd like to be on Ellen. I mean, because what that means to me is something more than just dancing with Ellen, but it means really uh, reaching audiences beyond what yes. I can do. So that's always how I felt about Oprah was like, you know, the the desire to be an Oprah. Yeah, there was ego in that. Like, that's awesome. I can be an Oprah. But more importantly, it was like, this will catapult the work I'm doing in a way that I can't do on my own. I allow this guidance to come through. So I feel the same way right now about Ellen or whatever else. God has in store for me. But frankly, I don't feel like anything's missing mm. right now. We're really at, at all. I got my baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to have another one. I will. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm going to have another one. I know that. Mm. Yeah. Soon. I'm going to be 40 in November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's time. <laughs> That's so beautiful. All right. This has been great. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Again, just the right time. It just feels so good. And yeah. Super Attractor will be out Mm -hmm. in September. The date is September 24th. Perfect. Yeah, we're so excited. So please get this book. It is another, yet Mm -hmm. another, just really solid, solid tool in your toolbox. And also one, all of your books, I can just open to any page because I'll read it all the way through and then I leave it by my bedside. And then before bed, like you were saying, just a few minutes, I kind of use to read something and you open it up and there's always just exactly what you need to hear. It's yeah. funny, it might sound weird, but I have super the, the galley for Super Attractor, which we've given you guys mm-hmm. the first reader's copy next to my bed and it has the cover image on it. It's beautiful. I look over at myself sometimes. <laughs> I've left it next to my bed for that reason, to just pick it up and let myself be reminded of what I've mm-hmm. written and remind myself to guide myself back. But I also have done it from the standpoint of manifesting to just like when I look over and I see that image, it's kind of angelic. It's like I wanted mm-hmm. the image to look like I was coming out of the light. And it did. So I look over and I'm like, oh, that feels good. Like that is the vision of me that I want to be in the world. 
So me looking over at that image every night, I know is manifesting this book on bedsides throughout the world. Yeah. So I look forward to going to bed with you all. Mm. Truly. We love that. <laughs> and waking up with you all. Your little beautiful angel face it is. It's like, <laughs> it's wow. so beautiful. She will, is coming through the light. It's that, beautiful. That was the hope. And the funny thing was, it was like a springish day. And we were shooting outside. What? But I had this vision of it being like really white and angelic. Mm. And like, and so I was like, like the outside is going to be kind of green. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. It snowed that day. Like, Full blown snowstorm. And so we had to shoot like with like this like beep boom light or like this thing over my head. And and so it was all this what you see in the background of all that like sort of like misty, it's been photoshopped and like glazed Mm -hmm. over, Mm -hmm. but that mistiness is snow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was like, so, oh, I was thinking, I was like, she's definitely like, in, no, I was like, she's in a studio. They have like a light above. That's that, crazy. That is my backyard. I love no. that. Snowstorm. I love that. Love that. That's it, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Thank, Thank you, you so beautiful. much for coming. Thank, Thank you for you. speaking on, um, you know, your experience with postpartum too. Yeah. That means I a think lot. We're really excited yeah, yeah, to share that. Uh, yeah. And if anyone's suffering with mental health, just don't be ashamed of it, please. Mm-hmm. I am so with you. I, 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 I understand and I am with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bless. All right. All right, y'all. We love you. Love we'll you. see you on the next one. Bye. Thanks, Bye. guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gabby. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. We love you. And if you'd like to learn more about Gabby Bernstein in general, go to GabbyBernstein.com. And then her new book, Super Attractor, is out now everywhere books are sold. Yeah. It's a great one. It was an easy, quick read and I just really loved it. I really loved it a few specific pieces that, you know, we talked about Mm -hmm. in the interview and we have some exciting things coming in LA. Please join us for a very, very special workshop. It is a Define Feminine Awakening workshop happening at Calamigos Ranch in Malibu. It is limited to 20 women uh, and it is led by Josie of 11 Healing. When Lindsay and I were in London, we got connected to Milana Snow's healer and she did sessions with us and the team and it was so beautiful and powerful. And so we wanted to bring some of that magic and healing back to LA. So it's Mm -hmm. a very special workshop that is almost all day, six hours, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah. And we also have our, your podcast pro launch with our uh, evergreen courses. So whether you are thinking that you want to start a podcast and want to take your idea to launch, we have a module for you. If you have a podcast and are interested in just really fine-tuning, focusing uh, your branding and marketing, we have one for you. And for those that want to start monetizing, we have a module that just goes deep into how to monetize, maintain those relationships and you know make it your full-time biz if that's what you want to do. So we're really excited for that launch that is happening September 30th. So Stay tuned for that. Yeah, super excited about that relaunch. Any other event dates are almost30podcast.com slash tour. New York City is happening. Three events happening in New York. And then we have DC and Philly, Miami, and come join us in LA. So excited and honored to be a part of your process and journey. And thank you so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. We love you. See you next time. <laughs>